sound familiar? If your baby is going through another bout of bad diaper rash, then you need to give Dr. Mom Butt Balm a try. It was created by a mom who's also a doctor. When my kids were little, I remember using this thick, goopy cream to help soothe their sensitive skin. Ugh, it was so difficult to wipe off. Not with Dr. Mom Butt Balm. You only need a small amount, and it's really easy to apply and remove. It's also free of dyes, preservatives, and zinc oxide, so it's gentle on your baby's delicate skin. Help your baby feel better and get relief from irritating diaper rash with Dr. Mom Butt Balm. Look for it on Amazon and Walmart.com. When a breastfeeding mother returns to work, she often has questions about the type of pumping schedule she should use, how much milk her baby will need while away from her, and strategies for promoting a strong milk supply. Today, I'm thrilled to welcome back to the show Wendy Wright, a private practice international board certified lactation consultant and founder of Lactation Navigation, a business based in the Bay Area in California that helps support breastfeeding moms and the businesses they work for. Today, we are discussing maintaining milk supply while back at work. This is the Boob Group episode 50. Breast milk, it does a baby good. Silly daddy, boobs are for babies. I make milk. What's your superpower? If my breastfeeding offends you, put a blanket over your head. Dairy diva. Don't be lactose intolerant. Nursing nature's own breast enhancement. Meals on heels. Whoever said there's no use crying over spilled milk never had to pump. Breast milk. All udders are inferior. Whatever your point of view, we're here to support your breastfeeding goals. We're the Boob Group, because mothers know breast. Welcome to the Boob Group, broadcasting from the Birth Education Center of San Diego. I'm your host, Robin Kaplan. I'm also an international board certified lactation consultant and owner of the San Diego Breastfeeding Center. At the Boob Group, we're your online support group for all things related to breastfeeding. Did you know that we have an entire panel of experts who would love to answer your breastfeeding and parenting questions? All you have to do is go to our website and send them an email from the experts page. Your question will be answered on an upcoming episode. Today in our studio, we have three lovely panelists. Ladies, will you please introduce yourselves? Hi, my name is Elizabeth Flandro. I'm a research scientist. I have one daughter, and she's nine and a half months old. Hi, my name is Lisa Howe. I'm a hospice social worker, and I have one daughter who's 10 months old. Hi, I'm Kate Lane. I am a paralegal, and I have two kids. I have a two and a half year old boy and a seven month old little girl. Fantastic. Well, ladies, thank you for coming to the show and welcome. <coughs> familiar? If your baby is going through another bout of bad diaper rash, then you need to give Dr. Mom Butt Balm a try. It was created by a mom who's also a doctor. When my kids were little, I remember using this thick, goopy cream to help soothe their sensitive skin. Ugh, it was so difficult to wipe off. Not with Dr. Mom Butt Balm. You only need a small amount, and it's really easy to apply and remove. It's also free of dyes, preservatives, and zinc oxide, so it's gentle on your baby's delicate skin. Help your baby feel better and get relief from irritating diaper rash with Dr. Mom Butt Balm. Look for it on Amazon and Walmart.com. Hi, this is Rebecca. I'm calling from San Diego, California. 
and I am a flight attendant, and I have got a question for your experts. Um, I am due to go back to work in April, and um, I have a four-month-old son, and I'm wondering how I'm supposed to pump on the plane. I contacted my airline, and they told me that um, my option is to pump in the lavatory, and I'm not too comfortable with that, and I didn't think that they could do that because of the law. So has anyone come across this, and what are, what are some options? Um, I would love to love to hear some responses, so thank you so much. Hi, Boob Group listeners. This is Veronica Tingzon, International Board Certified Lactation Consultant and also the owner of the original Comfort Food Lactation Services in San Diego, California. Rebecca, I know that you've called in or, or written into uh, your HR to find out about pumping while you're actually on a flight, and they gave you the response of pumping in the laboratory, which, you know, doesn't sound too groovy, and it doesn't sound too hygienic either. I do know of some people who have done it before. I have a friend who was a uh, flight attendant, and she did pump in the lavatory, and she had no problem with it. Personally, myself, I would not find it to be the best situation. Um, I know that I have also, you know, had to be on a flight where I did pump, um, and the flight attendants were nice enough to set me up kind of in the corner of the galley area. You know, you really have to feel it out and see if there's, you know, maybe a portable one-sided pump that you can um, pump, you know, somewhere in the galley or maybe on a private row if it's not uh, too jam-packed of a plane. But probably what's going to end up having to happen for you is that you'll probably have to pump prior to boarding in, you know, one of the lounges or um, maybe pump on the plane prior to when the um, when the passengers start filling the plane in, um, maybe in the back of the galley, or maybe the pilots will allow you to use um, the cockpit to pump in prior to them getting in, you know, something like that. And then maybe pumping once again in that same situation, you know, either the cockpit or the galley area. It really all depends on if you're going to be flying a domestic flight or an international flight that's going to take, you know, a whole day to fly, or, you know, is it just going to be a couple of hours? Hopefully you don't have to take too many flights, though, and you can be home with your baby just nursing away. Have a great day, Rebecca, and I hope this answers your question. Today on The Boob Group, we're discussing maintaining milk supply while back at work. Our expert, Wendy Wright, is an international board-certified lactation consultant and founder of Lactation Navigation in the Bay Area in California, which focuses on supporting and advising working breastfeeding moms, as well as setting up corporate lactation programs. She is also the creator of the Work and Pump iPhone app. Thanks so much for joining us, Wendy, and welcome back to the show. Thanks, Robin. It's great to be here. Well, Wendy, one of my first questions that I'm always asked when I teach my breastfeeding for the working mom class is, how will I know how much milk my baby will need while I am back at work? And how can a mom easily figure this out? And does this change over the course of time that she's breastfeeding? You know, that's the question that I'm asked the most often as well. So I'm glad we're starting out with it because we certainly don't want to talk about this topic at all without touching on it. The basic rule of thumb, um, Robin and all the panelists, is just one ounce per hour that you're away from your baby. So 
So it's great to think about your work schedule, probably an eight or nine hour day, and then add your commute to that, one hour maybe on each end or 30 minutes on each end. So that's nine or 10 hours absence from baby. So then I would bring approximately nine to 12 ounces with me uh, to the daycare provider or leave that for the nanny, and that ought to do it. Regular periodic small feeds are best for breastfed babies. And then, of course, you'll always want to have one, two, or three ounces just tucked away in your freezer for those times when maybe there's an accident on the freeway or you're called into an emergency meeting and you can't return home as quickly as you thought. That's great advice. And I mean, I think that a lot of moms and myself in particular, I remember when I was at work was I had this unrealistic expectation of how much my baby needed to feed. I mean, my kids were getting like eight ounce, eight ounce bottles while I was away. And I was like, well, my supply isn't keeping up. And now with this research, as well as, you know, listening to what you're saying, our babies actually, well, they're not transferring eight ounces from the breast. So why would they need it from the bottle? And maybe that makes moms feel a little bit more secure that their babies are actually getting, you know, what they need and the moms are able to produce what they need when they're away from their baby. Yeah, that's absolutely right. And sometimes these even, you know, as we talk about, will take less when they're not with their mothers because they do prefer to actually get milk from the breast. So I even wouldn't be surprised if you sent 8 to 10 ounces um, for an 8 to 10 hour workday and came home and there might be 2 or 3 ounces left. Now, what that means, of course, is the baby's going to be on the breast a little bit more, maybe at 1 a.m. and 3 a.m., but what a tremendous way to keep up your milk supply. Okay. Um, Ladies, will you remind us when you answer this question, how old your baby is? And then I'm curious to know, how much is your baby taking while you're at work? Um, Elizabeth. Um, My baby is nine months old, and she takes three five-ounce bottles while I'm gone, one every three hours. I actually, hearing the advice from Wendy, I could cry hearing it because before I went back to work I asked my pediatrician that exact question and she said oh I don't know try pumping one day and just giving her bottles and see how much she eats but obviously Ah. that was not at all practical for me to be doing Um, and so I just started winging it I initially brought like two ounce bottles as many as I could to daycare And they weren't feeding her very often, so they were always coming home with them. And then I was doing three three three-ounce bottles. And at maybe the four-month mark or something, I finally asked the daycare worker, well, does she seem hungry still? And she was like, oh, yeah. After Mm -hmm. she digs a bottle, she seems hungry. (laughs) I don't know why she didn't just tell me that anyway. But so then for a while, I was trying to do four-ounce bottles, four four four-ounce bottles. And I couldn't produce 16 ounces a day. So it has been just trial and error. And we've settled on this every three hours she gets five ounces. And that seems to do the trick and helps her to get enough during the day that she's not waking me up all the time at night. That's a good point, too. Okay. Um, Lisa, how about you? Well, my daughter is 10 months. And it's been kind of trial and error. My work schedule is it changes on a daily basis. And so for the longest time, I would leave four, four and a half ounce bottles for her every day, which was could be a challenge on some days to to pump that much. But she would never she doesn't typically eat more than two of the bottles a day. Um, She's in the last few months, she's gotten super into solid. She's crazy for food, so she's eating even less bottles. So now I'm realizing that I can pump and leave two, four, four or five ounce bottles, and that's more than enough for her, which has been a real relief to then, you know, so much less stressful trying to pack in that third pumping session during the workday. Absolutely. How about you, Kate? Yeah, same here. So my daughter is seven and a half months, and we, she's been doing about two bottles of about five ounces each. 
Um, and then sometimes a little bit less, depending on what she eats, you know, for the solid foods during the day. Mm-hmm. But I've been noticing when I'm pumping away from her, I just pump twice and I, I'm getting about eight ounces. So it's pretty much evens out like that. But I feed her before I, I drop her off at daycare and then um, she'll eat two bottles. And then I, as soon as I pick her up, sh- I, I breastfeed her and it works out great because I'm only pumping twice and she's only getting two bottles a day. And so, so it equals out. out. Yeah, <laughs> so far. Wendy, how does the amount a baby is consuming guide a mother's pumping schedule? So the amount that the baby eats drives the, definitely can drive the pumping schedule. Um, again, it depends on the stress level and, and how frequently you are allowed to get away from your desk at work in order to pump. So if we have a baby consuming 9, 10, 12 ounces, ideally if mom could pump three times during her workday, divide that over the, the three times, three or four ounces per pumping session, that would be ideal. However, we do have those moms who just cannot let down for the pump as easily as they can let down for their infants. And some moms may only get one or two ounces when they pump, at least initially. Those moms are going to need to do some supplemental pumping. So again, just three times at work, because I just don't see very many individuals able to get away from work more than that during the work week or work day. However, you could add a morning pumping session, you could pump at night, or you could add a couple of sessions on the weekend. Um, One of the great recommendations I've heard too is that very first morning breastfeed, it's a great thing to do is perhaps put baby on the left breast and use the pump on the right breast to get really, really empty before you start your day. And that way, too, you're capturing and taking advantage of the baby's letdown to get more in one of those bottles. Ah, That's a great trick for any mom who's having a hard time letting down for the pump. I love that idea. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) Um, And then, so you mentioned, you know, two to three times during, you know, this time period at work. So how long should these pumping sessions take? And, And again, does that change as the baby gets older? You know, it can change as the baby gets older. Just like anything, we get better at it. So we generally recommend just starting off with about a 15-minute pump session, but really test your own body and your own pump. So when you sit down to pump and you'll want to, if you can, try this out at home where you're more comfortable than at work for the first few times, but put on a hands-free pumping bra, if at all possible, strap on the pump, and then use hand massage and compression, breast compression, while you're pumping. That will really maximize that flow. And then I also like to, when I see that flow, really begin to slow down just to a dribble or a slight trickle. I like to turn off the pump, stand up, do a good stretch, massage my breast, sit back down, deep breath, and turn that pump back on. And over time, you can train your body to get a second letdown. Now, that may take the 20 minutes instead of 15, but you're going to get several more ounces. So it's a fantastic way to go. So anywhere between 15 to 20 minutes, generally, I like to block off 30 minutes on the calendar if possible. The nice thing about that is then you're never late getting back to your office. Because if you only block off 15, you're going to be the lady, right, who's always late to meetings. <laughs> you just, something happens. So, so yeah, give yourself plenty of time, but you may not be pumping that whole time. Okay, sure. Ladies, what, what does your pumping schedule look like, Kate? Um, so I, so before I went back to work, I started pumping about 9.30 in the morning when my baby was two weeks old. And I have been able to maintain that that schedule. So at work, I'm pumping at around 9.30 and then around 1.30. And, um, you know, what Wendy was just saying about the second letdown, 
it's funny because I've noticed that the more I pump, the faster I get my second letdown. And so I'm able to, you know, get more ounces. And I'm only probably actually pumping milk for about nine to 10 minutes. And the whole ordeal from, from when I sit down and, you know, get my pump out and get it all set up and start pumping to when I'm washing my bottles out and back at work is about 15 minutes. Okay. So I've definitely streamlined the process, which is great. <laughs> um, great for me. And I'm more productive at work. So Lisa, what does your pumping schedule look like? All right. So typically what happens is Ruby will nurse on one side during the night and then the other side fills up. And so when I wake up in the morning, I pump that side and that's one of her bottles for the day at one plus. It's usually, I usually get five or six ounces. And then my job is unique. I don't work in an office. I work in the field. So my schedule depends on the day when I'm seeing patients. So I pump in my car while I'm driving in between seeing patients. Um, So typically I try and pump between 12 and 1 depending on the day. Um, But usually I just let my body dictate when it's time. And uh, And how long do you pump for usually? About 15 minutes. Usually about 15 minutes. Very cool. And you've mastered the pumping while driving? I have, yes. Like you're actually driving and pumping? I'm actually driving and (laughs) pumping. And I'd like to say I've only been noticed twice. (laughs) Never on the road, only in parking lots as I'm like getting ready for the process. Uh And it's been kind of fun to watch people's reactions. (laughs) But I keep waiting for like a trucker to drive by. And honk his honk. Everyone's too busy on their phones. Oh gosh, that's scary. (laughs) Elizabeth, what does your pumping schedule look like at work? Um, Well, so my daughter wakes up usually around six in the morning and then I try to feed her and get myself ready and go as soon as possible so that I beat the traffic and then as soon as I get to work, I pump. So Mm -hmm. sort of what Wendy was suggesting, except for instead of pumping at home, I pump first thing when I get to work. Um, So that's usually around 7.30 or 8. And then I pump again at 11 and then again at 2.30. Okay. Um, And then depending on what her schedule has been during the day. I try to nurse her right when I pick her up, but sometimes she she won't. Sometimes the timing's off. I remember that too, where I'd walk in and the bottle was being pulled out of Mm -hmm. Ben's mouth and I'm like, no, I have to go and pump. This stinks. (laughs) But, um, and how long do you pump for typically? It takes me a while still. Um, I have lately mastered the getting the second letdown. I, I do turn off the pump and then turn it back on. And if I don't get it, I do that again because mm. I have to have the second letdown in order to get enough milk. And I don't use the hands-free bra at all. I just mm-hmm. do, like, constant massage or I will literally get nothing. Yeah. Like, mm-hmm. especially if I'm full, nothing will come out unless I start massaging. Like first. a baby's mouth would do. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> um, Wendy, here's a question from one of our Facebook followers. Rachel posted, I haven't started work yet, but even at home, I seem to be able to pump less and less, and I'm worried about this trend. My pump always leaves me feeling sore, and I think realizing this makes me not want to do it, which may lower my supply. Any tips on how to deal with this? Yeah, that's so challenging. So the fact that she hasn't started work yet means she's really breastfeeding very, very frequently, most likely. So because she's breastfeeding and the baby is very, very capable of emptying that breast so completely, we do get less when we pump, you know, following a breastfeeding session. So I'm pretty confident that once she starts work and she's away from her baby, 
her milk flow um, will be adequate and will be fine. She also may have an expectation that it should always be increasing, and of course it won't. It's always going to be relatively similar um, throughout her breastfeeding career. So, so we just have to, you know, straighten that out. And then I am worried about this painful pump. Um, most likely it's a flange fit issue, and what we'd really like to see is when that nipple elongates into the flange, we want to be able to see the skin all around the nipple, not touching the plastic flange. It's that constant rubbing over and over on the flange that can cause some breast pain and even abrasion. So in the meantime, if this is the problem, um, I would take a little lanolin or olive oil, coconut oil, and coat the inside of that flange so that the breast can move easily in and out. And then I would get a larger size flange or a softer flange for this woman. The other thing we might want to consider um, is she turning the pump suction on too high. And there's nothing wrong with going with the absolute lowest pump suction and pump frequency. Not a problem at all. And then just work up to, you know, when you can pump a little bit more vigorously. I always found personally, at the time of my period, I would have to turn my pump way, way down because I was just much, much more sensitive on my nipple tissue. And then a week later, I was back, but I would still get the same amount of milk out. So that's what's the important thing. So I hope those, it's, I hope it's just one of those issues with her pump. All right. Well, great. Well, when we come back, Wendy will discuss tips for milk storage, how to keep up your supply once you return to work, and how to make sure that your caregivers aren't overfeeding your baby. And we'll be right back. Today, we're talking about maintaining your milk supply while back at work. We're here with Wendy Wright, an international board certified lactation consultant and owner of Lactation Navigation. So, Wendy, here's a question from one of our Facebook followers. Kay wants to know, what is the easiest way to store pumped milk? Great question. Um, so what I like to do is store pumped milk as much as possible in the refrigerator. Um, as a working mom, it's very, very important that we get all the immunology from our breast milk right into our babies as quickly as possible or within the next 24 hours or so so that we protect them from any illness that might be exposed to at daycare or through their nanny or through their caregiver. So, for example, pumping on Monday that would be the milk that we feed to baby on Tuesday. Tuesday's milk on Wednesday, Wednesday on Thursday, for example. Friday's milk then can be frozen in the freezer and we thawed out the oldest milk from the freezer Sunday night to provide for the baby on Monday. That way baby's only getting eight hours in one week of frozen milk, assuming we're working an eight-hour shift, and the rest of the time the milk is all fresh. So in that case, I would just store in bottles or bags, whatever um, is easiest for you. I personally like bottles, glass bottles, because of all of the plastic concerns lately, um, and I just like the way they feel in my hand. So those are very, very nice, and almost any nipple will fit on the majority of the glass bottles that are out there now. Very easy to wash in the dishwasher as well. So that's how I would store the fresh milk. In the freezer, I would definitely store in um, milk bags or breast milk bags. Um, and I, what I like to do when I freeze milk is freeze it in very, very small containers. Remember, the breast milk bags will hold five or six ounces in each bag. However, only once in a while do we actually need to thaw out five or six ounces because that's 
pretty much enough for a half day or half of our work day. So you might want a few in, in that size, but I would freeze mine in one ounce, two ounce, and three ounce small containers. That way if I fell short during the week and I just needed to pull out one ounce, I'm just defrosting one ounce at a time rather than defrosting six ounces when I might only need one. And then I like to freeze them um, flat in the, in the freezer. So I lay the bag down flat so it freezes so it looks like a um, pack of cards, for example. And then you can tip them up just in a cardboard box or shoe box or something like that, nice and compartmentalized in your freezer as little cards, in a sense. And then you can always just pull your oldest one out. So that's my, my tip for storage. But again, the smaller the better because once we defrost that milk, it must be utilized within 24 hours. And I would hate for you to be, you know, utilizing frozen milk that you defrosted when you have fresh milk right there. So freeze it in really small compartments. Okay, that's great. Those are great tips. Um, ladies, how do you store and transport your pumped milk? Um, Lisa. Well, since I'm on the road, I've got a couple of um, insulated, you know, lunch bags that have a whole collection of ice packs mm -hmm. in my freezer. So that's what I do throughout the day and carry it in that in the bottles and then um, place those in the fridge and then transfer them to the to the bottles that she eats out of every day. Okay, fantastic. How about you, Elizabeth? So um, when I work in the same building all day, I have my little freezer pack that came with my pump. Um, and I keep the whole thing in the refrigerator or I'll put the freezer pack itself in the little freezer um, and then keep the milk in the refrigerator and transport it that way. And um, as far as storage, I, I also, I usually am feeding the baby in the same bottles that, that I'm pumping into. So I just pour like both breasts into one bottle and then I usually will have a five ounce bottle. And then I will freeze it actually in a, a one bottle size. And if I'm short a day, I'll usually thaw out enough for a whole bottle and save the partial bottle for the next day so that, you know, over the week it gets better. And that works out better for my daughter anyway, because she's not as big a fan of thawed milk. So if she gets just three bags of thawed milk on Monday, she is maybe not going to eat very much. But if she gets one thawed bottle or one thawed bag every once in a while then it's a little bit easier on her okay cool how about you kate so i my daughter has only gotten um thawed milk so far from daycare and now i feel self-conscious about that <laughs> but because i started pumping when she was so young i built up a, a pretty much a three-month stash before i even went back to work and so my routine is has been to take the pump milk from work and then I immediately bring it home at night and throw it in the freezer and so I and then I send a daycare you know the oldest frozen milk and then they keep it frozen and then thought when when needed but um I well this that's still I okay. was gonna say this so so going along with the judgment-free breastfeeding yeah. support you do have to remember too that although you're pulling out the frozen milk that you pumped you know months ago She's still breastfeeding multiple times on the times that you're home as well. So she's still getting all of those antibodies and everything. So don't stress. Okay. <laughs> but I do think Wendy has a very good point about it. And just keep taking out the oldest milk maybe once a week or yeah. once a couple times a day. Or a, once a couple times a day. Or I can't say that. Once a couple times a week, you know, a couple days a week. Yeah. However, again keep in your mind she's breastfeeding a ton so she's still getting all those antibodies from all the the fresh straight from the tap that she's getting um every single day wendy um what if a mom notices a dip in her supply or pumping output when she returns to work um first of all why would this happen 
Well, you a, a dip in supply immediately following, you know, returning to work is probably emotional. <laughs> I hate to say it, but um, stress and exhaustion, trying to get used to the new schedule. Plus, remember, it's not as easy to let down for a pump as it is to let down for the baby. It's hormonally driven. And if we're not feeling 100% confident and secure where we're pumping, a car, for example, as one of the panelists mentioned, you know, there may be a day when that's just is a little bit threatening. Our milk supply won't be as strong that day. We're also probably pretty tired and uh, just maybe not taking 100% care of ourselves. So that can happen. And again, too, we mentioned most women will start work three, four months after having baby. If your period returns at that time, that can also cause a slight dip in your supply, as well as birth control that a lot of women will, again, start taking right around the time, right when they return to work. And so it you know, can be blamed on the work but it also might just be birth control. So lots of different reasons can impact milk supply. But again, just sticking to it and then breastfeeding and skin-to-skin contact as much as possible on the weekends and when we're at home in the evening is the sure way to, you know, recover from that. Okay, and I was going to say, too, one of the things that I noticed, not only with myself, but also with a lot of the moms that I work with, is sometimes when we go back to work, because we're wearing so many hats of mom, wife, you know, or partner, and um, and working, that I found I forgot to eat a lot as well, and I think that my calories were dipping way below the 1,500 calories, at least, that I needed, and so my supply tended to go down as well, just because I wasn't... I wasn't fo- I wasn't focusing on myself as much as maybe I should have. Yeah. So, Wendy, what are some strategies to keep up a mom's milk supply while pumping at work? And what um, what if she needs to actually increase after a dip in her supply? Right. So, I mean, my favorite thing before I would recommend any, you know, supplements or anything like that would just be the baby moon. Get that baby with mom as much as possible. And even if that means we need to take off early on Wednesday uh, for a couple of weeks and just make some baby mommy time sleep together at night, you know, different things like this where baby and mommy can be together. And then always just remembering to pump and take care of yourself as much as possible. Um, Very, very important, just like you mentioned. I love the idea of when you're putting a bottle of breast milk into your storage bag, you know, make it so that there's fruit or a granola bar or handful of nuts in there that you actually have to physically take out in order to fit the milk in, and that way it'll make you eat something (laughs) to at least stay a little bit nourished. That's a great tip. Yeah, yeah. And then, of course, there are tinctures, fenugreek, teas, you know, all sorts of things that moms, if they really are having a serious supply issue, um, may want to consider. But again, I, I'm, I'm hesitant to go to those at first. I really like to just try the skin-to-skin, baby moon, get mommy, and baby real comfortable um, is what I would recommend first because I find that, um, that that just usually does seem to do the trick. Okay. And something you mentioned earlier in the episode also was maybe adding in that pumping session, um, you know, pumping on one side, breastfeeding baby on the other in the morning, or also adding a pumping session on the weekends or at night. Um, Do you find that that can also help with increasing a mom's supply if she's had a little bit of a dip? I definitely think that can, although we have to keep in mind, um, you know, adding pumping, if it's... um, if it's replacing our sleep, it's certainly not going to do it. So, yeah, if you're up anyway, I would go for it. Or if you're breastfeeding anyway, yeah, take advantage and pump the other breast. But, yeah, it's, it's sleep, again, is going to be one of our friends in terms of keeping that supply high. Absolutely. Uh, ladies, have you noticed a dip in your supply at all since you've returned to work? And if so, were you able to increase it and how? Um, Kate, how about you? 
So, yes, occasionally if I'm really stressed out at work or if I have a big deadline coming up or if I have a big presentation to give, I do notice that my sessions prior to that, I get a little bit less. Um, And so I've really just learned to, A, stop looking at how much milk I'm getting because, you know, counting the the fractions of the ounce that are adding up in the bottle which is stressing me out too much so I don't I don't need to be watching it so I try to keep that covered so I can't see how much I'm getting and um, I really just try to have it be totally relaxing and I'll flip through photos of my daughter on my phone and I've recorded videos and stuff of her actually breastfeeding <laughs> so <laughs> it's more of, a, more of like a in the moment type thing Um, But yeah, I mean, I really, I've trained myself to, this is my pumping time and I need to pump and I need to not stress about it. And I've noticed that my milk supply is maintaining because of that. Very cool. How about you, Lisa? About two months ago, I had a couple of days and I actually called Robin in tears that my supply dropped so low that I was so afraid. And it turned out that I was ovulating. And so I was able to see, I went to acupuncture and took some herbs and then it bounced back. Um, But I also wanted to kind of piggyback on what Kate said, that if I watch it, it, I feel like I just produce less. I become stressed out about it, and I start thinking, oh, I'm not going to have enough, and then I just work myself up. And so it actually is helpful that I'm driving, because I'm usually listening to public radio, which I find really (laughs) relaxing, and I'm I'm focusing on what I'm listening to and not on that. And plus, since I'm driving, it's not really safe to watch. (laughs) (laughs) That's awesome. How about you, Elizabeth? Um, So I have found that if I get sick, which I have gotten sick a lot since Vivian went to daycare, Mm -hmm. um, I end up with horrible milk supply, not right away, but like the next week and for a full week. So that has been really rough. And the other thing was that Vivian wasn't sleeping well at night. So we were trying to co-sleep and I was feeding her like every hour and thinking, oh, I'm going to have this awesome milk supply because she's eating constantly. And it was the exact opposite. I was getting nothing, like drops. And I think it's because I was tired and dehydrated and stressed out. Um, I definitely do not have a problem eating enough, (laughs) Um, but I think I probably don't drink enough water. And Lisa actually has been one of the people saying, drink more water, drink Mm -hmm. more water. And that that definitely does make a difference. And for me, I I sort of do the opposite of what these girls say. I'm always looking at, like, how much is coming out. And I'm thinking, like, yeah, boobies, go, go, (laughs) go. And, And that does seem to help. And I also flip around on, like, the Facebook breastfeeding support page or, or look at pictures of, of my daughter on the phone and I also have a video of her breastfeeding. Yeah. And Very cool. Helps. Wendy, do you have any comments for our panelists about what they're doing to keep their supply up? You know, I, I wish I would have mentioned it as well. The, the looking at your iPhone for pictures and videos. What a great tool. And, and remember, you know, we're all mammals. So even if you have you know, the little onesie that your baby slept in last night and while you're pumping at work to give a good, good smell of that onesie can really, really enhance letdown. So taking advantage of things like that. The other great tip is if you have a nanny or someone who could bring baby to work, have lunch with your baby once a week. Again, that's a direct breastfeeding session, middle of the day on Wednesday. We'll kind of prevent that 
slippage that we see Monday through Friday where the milk supply slowly, slowly goes down until, you know, it's smaller a little bit on Friday because we're not with our baby all week. So come over for lunch, you know, bring, you know, some sort of leftovers that you've got and then just nurse for an hour. <laughs> Great way to go. <laughs> Absolutely. Uh, Wendy, what strategies do you have for when a caregiver is giving the baby more than he or she needs or more than the mom is able to pump? Yeah, this is a huge problem. I mean, we we look around the room where you are and, you know, everyone's breastfeeding. And so we forget, though, that in the state of California, by the time we are three and four months out of delivery, you know, very, you know, less than half of the population is actually breastfeeding. So that means less than half of the caregivers are used to feeding breast milk and they're feeding formula. So it's a very, very different experience from a caregiver perspective. If a baby's acting hungry and they're on formula, it's much, much easier just to whip up another bottle, right? But we don't always have that supply of the breast milk. So I really, really like to go back just to the baby cues with the caregivers and teach the caregiver, when my baby does this and show the rooting face or show the little fist coming up to the mouth or whatever your baby does to signal to you that she's hungry, that's a time when we feed her. And if we take a bottle out of her mouth and she's done eating, but maybe she's acting slightly agitated or a little bit of crying, you know, make sure that we're seeing those feeding cues at the same time. It's not unusual for a baby to drink a full bottle, maybe relatively quickly, have a little bit of tummy discomfort. She may be a bit agitated. Caregivers often interpret that as hunger and will add more milk when actually that's only going to make the situation worse. So really working closely with the caregiver to show, you know, slow down those bottle feeds, address hunger cues, that's when we feed. The crying stiff baby with the arms away from her mouth is not a hungry baby, right? But oftentimes, any time a baby is crying, food goes directly in that mouth. And that's, you know, going to lead to this obesity issue that we've already got in this country. So, yeah, just really, really working on the cues. The caregiver is trying her best right? She's trying to satisfy this infant, but maybe just needs a little bit more training about uh, what your infant is actually trying to say. That's great. That's great. And we'll also be discussing this more in our next episode with you, Wendy, about how, you know, what, what are we looking at when for the baby's cues and helping our caregivers understand what those cues are and, and paying attention to them. Um, so thank you so much, Wendy, for your insight into maintaining milk supply while back at work. And thank you so much to all our panelists as well. And for our Boob Group Club members, our conversation will continue after the end of the show as Wendy will discuss what you can do if you pump more from one breast than the other. For more information about our Boob Group Club, please visit our website at theboobgroup.com. Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you, with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Before we wrap things up today, here's Denise Altman with some nursing basics for the new mom. Hey there, Boob Group. My name is Denise Altman, and I am a private practice IBCLC, otherwise known as a registered lactation consultant. Private practice means I have my own business, and I specialize in prenatal education and breastfeeding support. 
this session is about prenatal prep to breastfeeding, something I definitely have an opinion about. One thing you as the expectant mama and her partner should be considering is where are your resources, in the hospital or birth center or out? Your professional resources are your lactation consultant or breastfeeding specialist, typically beginning in the hospital or, as I said, birth center. In many cases, most hospitals or birth facilities don't have a, an excess of breastfeeding support staff. So to best utilize your lactation consultant, when she comes to visit you, ask her to watch a full feeding. If the baby is already nursing when she walks in the door, remove the baby from the breast and ask her to watch you latch and observe the full feeding. Your staff nurse and caregivers that are at your bedside for at least a full shift are also an excellent resource while you're immediately postpartum. Staff nurses are often trained and expected to assist with feeding, and while they may not have the same level of knowledge as a lactation consultant, most of them are very willing and able to help you at least get through the basics. After discharge, it's helpful to know what your resources are in the community. While you're pregnant, contact your local Leche League or Peer Counselor Support Network, WIC if you are WIC eligible, but also find out where your outpatient resources are. Sometimes a hospital offers outpatient breastfeeding support services, sometimes a support group, and most communities have a private practice lactation consultant like myself. Private practice LCs often do home visits, which is very convenient if you've had a C-section um, or a difficult birth, or if the baby has to be on Billy Light, so you're spending a lot of time back and forth to the peds office. And let's not discount the pediatrician's office. Many now are hiring lactation consultants to function as staff members. So when you're choosing your pediatrician, this is something to ask about as well. I hope that the information in this session can get you started on exploring your options. For additional tips on choosing a breastfeeding class, please visit my website, feedyourbaby.com. And keep listening to the Poop Grip. Well, this wraps up our show for today. We appreciate you listening to The Boob Group. Don't forget to check out our sister shows, Preggy Pals for Expecting Parents, and our show Parent Savers for moms and dads with newborns, infants, and toddlers. Coming up next week, we have Jonna Rose Feinberg from Twins in Mind Consulting discussing positioning and scheduling of twins. Thanks for listening to The Boob Group, your judgment-free breastfeeding resource. This has been a new mommy media production. The information and material contained in this episode are presented for educational purposes only. Statements and opinions expressed in this episode are not necessarily those of New Mommy Media and should not be considered facts. While such information and materials are believed to be accurate, it is not intended to replace or substitute for professional medical advice or care and should not be used for diagnosing or treating health care problem or disease or prescribing any medication. If you have questions or concerns regarding your physical or mental health or the health of your baby, please seek assistance from a qualified health care provider. Hey, mamas. Don't forget to check out Mighty Moms. It's our online community built for new moms just like you. Not only can you connect with other moms, but you can also join us backstage for special mom-only online events. And you'll also be notified when we're recording so you can join us as a special guest. Visit our website, newmommymedia.com, and click on the Mighty Moms banner. It's free. That's newmommymedia.com. See you there.